podcast where two friends dive into the world of romance literature in order to find each other's and your next great lay I mean read <laughs> we'll explore it all classic bodice ripping historical romance provocative political thrillers sexy sci-fi and everything in between every week we'll each cover one story no spoilers we'll share our favorite moments which of your favorite tropes to expect and rate its readability how hot it is and how romantic it is We'll let you know if a book passes the vibe check, share any content warnings to watch out for, and most importantly, is it even good? I'm Lauren. And I'm Kendra. Now let the erotic nonsense begin. Okay, um, but first, before we get into our books, we're going to talk about... Hey, what are we drinking? What are we drinking? <laughs> um, so I picked the drink this week. And your um, drink was inspired by the book? Yes, um, and so we are drinking the Southern Hell. <laughs> <laughs> so would that be spelled H-E-L-L-E? Yes, yes. a take on a Southern <laughs> Belle. Um, so it is 1.5 ounces bourbon, um, a splash of pineapple juice, a cherry, a splash of cherry juice, um, over ice, and then topped with lemon-lime soda water. Tasty. And it's very uh, not sweet and delicious, refreshing. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to do my novel first, but do we want to take a quick break? Sounds good. All right. Okay, and um, we are back. We're back. We're back. All right. Um, so, Kendra? <laughs> What did you read this week? Uh, my book this week is a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting lightly. Um, so I read, it's called Dirty Billionaire. It's by Megan March. Um, and let me go back because I wanted to share when this was written. Okay, it so just it came out. It sounds in- like a classic piece of literature. Surely <laughs> this is from like 1870? <laughs> 2015. So. It's, it's, I mean, Megan March must be a lost uh sister from little women right that is you know i actually thought that exact same thing (laughs) but um okay so moving into the back of the book summary and i'm gonna try to read this without cracking up because it's ridiculous i've got a big ego and an even bigger bank account that's pretty much where my bio ends honestly i don't need to say anything else i've just sold nine Oh yeah, I've just sold 99% of women on going home with me. Do I sound like a jerk to you? That's because I am. And guess what? It works just fine for me. Or at least it did. Until I met her. Books talk about sparks flying. Screw that. With her, it was like emergency flares mixed with jet fuel. Or maybe just straight up napalm. (laughs) Only one problem. She wouldn't tell me her name or her number when she disappeared from the hotel room after the hottest night of my life. Now I've had a taste of the perfect woman and I need it again. So what's a jerk to do? I took this problem to the street. A missed connection gone viral. And when I find her, I'm keeping her. 
wow, that was a journey. <laughs> right. It's actually not as bad the second time as the first time. I was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh. Okay, so the main characters are, like, who this, this guy who's, uh, this back of the book summary is supposedly, um. So is it, is the entire book from his point of view? No. Or is it, it's dual point of view? It's dual point of view. Yeah. So gotcha. his character is named, uh. Creighton Kara. Creighton. Like right. Creighton? <laughs> uh, like Creighton, like Michael Creighton. Gotcha. Or, uh, like there's a GH in there? Yeah. 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 Um, right. Yeah. And so he is the dirty billionaire, right? He's the billionaire. I assume. Um, and then the female character is named Holly Wicks, um, who she is like a rising country singer. Um, like Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So hence the yep, southern The southern hell. Yeah. hell um, yes. Okay, so the actors to cast this book, um, I actually had a really hard time with this. Um, there is an age difference, so the female character is supposed to be, I think, like, 22 or 23, um, and the male character is supposed to be, like, 33, like, mid-30s. Okay. Um, so I picked, uh, and I actually never say her name right, Chloe Grace Moretz. Do you know oh, who that is? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, she just seems like very young to me. But yes, I'm sure that I she's think the appropriate that's age. The point, and we will get to that. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I settled on Christian Bale for Creighton. Um, so that seems he's got kind perfect. of like an asshole y side. Of an American yeah. psycho kind yeah. of vibe. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the trope of the novel, so like romance trope. Um, it's kind of a mix of like three or four. There's like <laughs> there's like the forbidden love almost, mm-hmm. um, and then there's a marriage of convenience. Oh, um, and then I guess there's also like it's also kind of in the category of just like the billionaire like celebrity is like a. I hadn't category. thought of that as yeah. being a category, but yeah, no, it there totally it is. absolutely is. Um, yeah. yeah, so it. Kind of is all three of those um, mixed together. Oh, there's plenty of tropes to go <laughs> yeah. in romance literature. Exactly. Um, okay, so ratings. Readability. <laughs> I gave it a two. And you'll see why when I get to my favorite line. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, hotness, I did go ahead and give it a three. Um, which I sort of struggle with. There's definitely... Uh, you have to ignore quite a lot in order to enjoy it. But if you are able to ignore those things um, better than I can, then, it yeah, it's pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Romance one, overall one. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did it pass the vibe check? The I mean, vibe check? I'm going to go ahead and guess. <laughs> <That's> no. no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did not think it did. Um, all right. So... Here are my overall thoughts. Um, so this book is set up to be like a sexy read for someone who enjoys a very dominating male sex mm-hmm. partner. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's, I mean. Totally. You know, um, it's not uncommon. There's, I think there's probably plenty of books out there who do it right, who do it well. Um, and the problem that I had with it is that this relationship borders on a dom sub uh-huh. type relationship and before they got into it there was zero communication zero uh-huh. talk about consent like where are your yes. boundaries yeah. what do you actually want out of this yeah 
and just the fact that it's a 33 year old man and a 22 year old woman woman is yeah yeah that's Um, a really interesting um just thinking about that it's like definitely there's no kink shaming on this podcast absolutely not everybody can like what they like yeah so it's an interesting conversation like uh you know obviously in a real life relationship everything has to be discussed beforehand there has to be clear consent Mm-hmm. And a sense of safety. Mm-hmm. Lots of trust. Right. But in a book, it's like, hmm, do you have to have that? Because you're reading the book for it, right? Like, if you mm-hmm. know what the book is going in. Right. So it's so interesting to think about, like, is that something we require from our romance, romance reads? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, like, my take on it was, like, complete turn off, not into it at all. And that's yep. my personal preference. Um, and sort of... Like, I kind of just want to talk about, like, the reasons it bothers me. It's just that, like, his actions are, like, are just really huge red flags of some, like, yeah. really dangerous personalities. Like, yeah. um, and maybe not even just dangerous, maybe just, like, bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, there's, like, for example, like, she, uh, she, like, complains about, like, a problem in her life. Mm-hmm. And instead of, you know, like, Oh, maybe you could try this. He just like goes and like behind her back, look without consulting her, and like tries to oh, solve uh-huh. her problem. Yep. Um, which, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then like she, so she's a country singer, and she like leaves to go to a store to go like I don't know. I imagine her like sitting in a booth with like headphones on, like writing oh, her yeah, songs, okay. and he is like, and she doesn't hear her phone, and he it's like flips ah. shit. So like possessiveness like yeah um right so like it's just this is geared towards young women like and like that situation is not safe and like it worries me that like people are gonna read this and be like that's hot yeah Yeah. that's hot and if someone does this to me like oh i shouldn't run for my life or you know it's totally fine to go to a hotel room with someone i've just met who's telling me to yeah right yeah yeah there's a huge imbalance there in power too when you're talking about like a rich older man and a girl who's like barely out of college right 22 like what did i know about life at 22 right (laughs) um okay and now here's the part where if it wasn't for this podcast i probably would have stopped reading this book (laughs) um so there's not one but two scenes in this very short book, which took me about two hours to read, by the oh way. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, I think the average read time on Kindle, it said, oh, like, yeah. three hours. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a quickie. Yeah. Um, so there's two scenes in the short book um, where the male character, like, in his inner dialogue, um, he says that Holly looks no more than 16 or as young as 16, and it's, like, a huge turn on. Ooh, no thank you. Yeah, no. Uh, no. Yikes. Not, like, no. You're 33. Why is it a turn on for someone to look 16? Why? Maybe you should. There's some real uh, Edward and Bella vibes there. God, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, like, you kind of brought up the point of, like, you know, is it is it okay to read this? Is it okay to enjoy this? Um, and I kind of, like, I have written my sort of review and my thoughts Mm -hmm. um without kind of looking at anyone else's reviews and I was like surely someone like plenty of other people felt the same way that I did it averages four out of five stars on goodreads and like it's just like review after review of being like 
women just being like, oh, this book's so hot. It's so hot. And it's like, so, I mean, I don't know. I just, it's, yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, and it actually like, it's a quick book and it is the first of a trilogy. Mm. Um, Same characters in every book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just, I was like, I don't want to give this author any more money. I'm not gonna buy oh, yeah. like yeah. it's definitely like I think the first book is like it's one of those like 99 cent um, uh-huh. Kindles and then the next one is like twelve dollars it's like oh, very dang. clearly like <laughs> yeah 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 um so yeah. I mean I definitely feel like yes it's okay for people to read it and enjoy it what isn't okay is like if it's marketed towards younger folks right which is like also well. You know, as a newer romance reader, like having only been reading romance for like a year, less mm-hmm. than a year, um, I don't know as much about it. But I know there's like a lot of debate in like the book community about mm-hmm. this. There's like a newer genre called new adult, right? Oh. Versus young adult. And so like oh. varies. They're similar in theme. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got like, a, it's got a bit of a coming of age story, although maybe it's like a little deeper development. It's because like, you're, yeah, it's not like teenager, a, but it's Yeah, not. you're in your 20s. Right. Yeah. Um, and like the new adult books are like, they have explicit sex scenes, right? So they're like very similar in tone and like um, sort of reading level mm-hmm. to YA, but they are explicit. But there's been so some confusion, a like book with sex, with sex, <laughs> and you so, know they're not always marketed accurately. Right. So you get books like A Court of Thorns and Roses marketed mm. in young adult, which is like twelve to eighteen, and like imagine like a twelve year old picking up a book like that. I mean, okay, but plenty of twelve year, <laughs> plenty of twelve year olds are like, you know. They have the internet at their disposal. Plenty of them are looking at porn. You know, like, what's the difference? Oh, do you think plenty of 12-year-olds are looking at porn? Oh, I hope not. But um, (laughs) certainly it's available. But anyway, I do think there's, like, a responsibility on the publisher's shoulders and the author, everybody who's, like, a part of marketing it to make sure that it's marketed appropriately and that you don't, like have someone picking up a book like that that's either one too young or like two just is an adult but has triggers around issues like that you know and probably like the back of book would be enough to turn someone off of it yeah this is definitely not marketed towards teens young adults Mm -hmm. so um all right are you ready for my favorite lines oh my god i'm so ready (laughs) they're so good (laughs) (laughs) all right again try not to laugh i will probably fail Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> <Can't do. Okay. laughs> Great start. <laughs> <clears throat> if ever a man's penis deserved its own entrance music, it would be Creighton Karras. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what? The second one's better. <clears throat> <clears throat> it's longer. My hand shakes and the chopsticks lose their grip right before it reaches my lips, and the cold rice and fish slips right down the neck of the t-shirt I'm wearing. Damn it, I say. I knew this was going to be a disaster. Sushi might <laughs> sushi might be delicious, but it feels kind of gross now that the rice is stuck to my boobs and the fish is somewhere further south, near my own tuna. Oh, no! Oh, no! Why did I not know that's where it was going? <laughs> it was terrible. So, I, I like... At one point in this book, it maybe was after I read that, I was like, is this book, 
like satire? Is it? Like, <laughs> am I supposed to be laughing? Yeah. Yes. I was like, maybe? After that first line, now I just like, all I can hear in my head is the Imperial March. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. With like a little, it's like a penis with a Darth Vader helmet. deep dive um which we've actually kind of gotten into a little bit already and mm-hmm. I, I think that's fine yeah um I was just kind of going to talk a little bit about uh dominant submissive relationships yeah um so this is from an article written by uh Meg John Barker she has a website called rewriting the rules she has a podcast it's um I mean I should have written down more about like what her po- her website is about um but it's it's kind of like sex positive stuff. Yeah. And, you know, um, anyway, so, um, I kind of just have like a few little blurbs about, um, about this kind of relationship and like what people get out of it. Um, and like misconceptions and stuff. Um, so why would some people prefer this kind of relationship? Um, it's, you know, people who prefer a power dynamic to be exciting. You know, they, they want that in their relationship. Um, they maybe like the idea of being rescued from a powerless mm-hmm. situation, you know, a damsel in distress. Um, or they like the idea of just being like so desirable to their partner that their partner will do anything to please them. Yeah, I um, totally get that. I have definitely read books. That right. I like can see the feminism le- leaving my body as I'm reading it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, so, so like what's involved in this kind of relationship? Um, so it's, it's power play. Um, and it's usually in your sex life. Um, but it's sometimes in other areas of your life. Um, a person can be, um, a dom or dominant or a sub or submissive. Um, but they can also switch. And I think that's actually more common than, um, is like thought of Mm -hmm. often. Um, and so the most, common type of this relationship is like it's where people actually do it for like very short periods of time and like it's role-playing you know it's um like a pre-arranged scene you know it's not something that's you know their lifestyle all the time although that does exist or it can be like a holiday where you know you do like a week yeah whatever um so how is this different from a traditional and that's in quotes because what is traditional um relationship Mm -hmm. um so it's really not all that different. Um, and most relationships have divided roles. Um, you know, like one person could be in charge of finances or yard work or whatever, cooking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and uh, in most relationships, one person takes the lead on sex or initiating um, or whatever anyway. So this isn't like some kind of, you know, extreme anything. Um, and this kind of relationship, people tend to actually have like much better communication. That's what I was going to say. So, I think like um, in order to maintain a relationship like this, even if you're not yeah. doing it all the time, requires such clear communication that like surely it affects other areas of your life too. Right. Yeah. Um, so, right. So there's a lot of like bad media portrayal of this kind of relationship. I'm like, I'm thinking of Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh-huh. Where it like, of it, yeah, I didn't, yeah. The, yeah, it's just like. It's been a long time since I've read that, but yeah, I like, there's like abuse 
like that was not a healthy relationship no (laughs) um and then there's also like people are coerced into this kind of relationship also like i don't know if you watched um the vow on hbo is about the nexium cult oh yeah i heard all about so yeah um so like that's not what this is yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and so uh there's kind of some like ideas or like how to sort of go about this um there's like checklists or like contracts agreements um and like one of the activities that they suggest is like with your partners you each writing down a list of your or just a list of like all the sexual practices or like activities that you can think of and Mm -hmm. writing down like yes no or maybe yeah and just like seeing where they line up um and then you or you could do like fantasies um and then the last bit of this article that she wrote is like and i'm sure this is pre-pandemic um but there's like, you know, communities, there's, I mean, not only online, you know, there's like fetish fairs and mm-hmm. events and workshops. Um, so. Which sounds intimidating as hell yeah. to like get involved with, but I'm sure actually like having a, I mean, just like anything that is yeah. community based, like there's a level of accountability there that is mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. and uh, helpful and right. it's definitely going to make people safer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's, that was the end of what I had, so. Don? Yeah. All right. Dirty billionaire. Dirty billionaire. <laughs> that name. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, well, let's take a quick break. All right. Sounds and good. And we'll come back for my book. Great. Welcome back. And we're back. All right. So, this week, I read... You had me at Ola. Uh, this is by Alexis Daria. Um, this cover, oh my god, I love it so much. It's literally why I bought this book. <laughs> um, anyway, so I will read you the back of book summary. Leading ladies do not end up on tabloid covers. After a messy public breakup, soap opera darling Jasmine Lynn Rodriguez finds her face splashed across the tabloids. When she returns to New York to star in a new bilingual romantic comedy television show, Jasmine figures her leading lady plan should be easy enough to follow until a casting shakeup pairs her with a telenovela hunk, Ashton Suarez. Leading ladies don't need a man to be happy. After he was killed off his last telenovela, Ashton is worried his career is dead as well. Joining this new cast as a last minute addition will give him the chance to show off his acting chops to American audiences and ping the radar of Hollywood casting agents. To make it work, he'll need to generate smoking hot on-screen chemistry with Jasmine. Easier said than done, especially when a disastrous first impression smothers the embers of whatever sexual heat they might have had. Leading ladies do not rebound with their new co-stars. With their careers on the line, Jasmine and Ashton agree to rehearse in private, but rehearsal leads to kissing, and kissing leads to a behind-the-scenes romance worthy of a soap opera. While their on-screen performance improves, the media spotlight on Jasmine soon threatens to destroy her new image and expose Ashton's most closely guarded secret. Okay. Wow. So. (laughs) We both read books about celebrities. That is true. (laughs) Yes. Um, And it all sounds very dramatic. And I had high hopes for the drama going in with all the telenovela stuff. Although the show that they're recording is not 
I mean, it's an American show on like a fake Netflix. Like that's, you know, so it's like, it is inspired by an old telenovela, but it, it very much feels like a modern American television show. Okay. Um, anyway, so the main tropes in this book are what you would expect from, you know, like celebrities filming a TV set. It's forced proximity. And I kind of, I feel like you can kind of call it a fake relationship because they are, you know, yeah. I mean, they're actors, right? So it's their job, but they're definitely like pretending to be together. And the way the book is written is, um, it's, it's dual point of views, like a lot of okay. romance. And, but then it's also got some chapters in there that like are the scenes from the show they're filming. So like you'll get mm. uh, a chapter from Ashton's point of view and then a chapter from Jasmine's point of view and then a chapter that like is reading almost like reading a script from the show or like reading oh. the dialogue from the show and the like set notes and stuff. Confusing. Actually it, it worked pretty well. Okay. I liked it and I liked how it like switched back and forth to like what they were thinking as their characters. Okay. Um and <laughs> it's funny because their characters had way more chemistry than they had. But anyway, <laughs> Um, so in terms of readability, it's, it's great. It's a lovely modern, you know, it's only a couple years old or one year old, um, modern romance. I gave it a four. It maybe could have used some additional editing and there was a lot of like, um, telling instead of showing about like what the characters were, who they were and what their history was, which got a little bit like, like, okay, I get it. You're a girl boss. You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that that was my only issue there. Um, the heat level, the hotness, I gave it a three. The sex scenes were good, actually. It's funny because, like, it was the relationship that I found to be lacking. Uh, mm. Alexis Daria can definitely write a good sex scene. They were pretty hot. Uh, the romance, I gave it a 2.5. It's wholesome, you know? It's, like, sweet and by the end they're like in a pretty good communicative place so there's like they I guess were in love I just there was no chemistry like mm. I didn't feel it at all so yeah two and a half uh overall you have it a 3.5 it was okay I mean it was a bit of a slog so mm -hmm. you know it's, um, it's yeah, a little chunky it's a little chunkier for a romance book and um you know when there's no chemistry it's like do I care? Do I want to keep going? Um, and so I kind of had to force myself. It took me like three days to get through it, probably like six or seven hours. Um, and yeah, so overall three and a half. Um, so does it pass the vibe check? Yes, totally. Um, it is really, it's lovely how diverse it is. I mean, you know, you have two cisgendered straight leads, right? Um, although they are Latinx, which is awesome. They're actually both Puerto Rican. Um, and then the supporting cast is just fabulously diverse. Mm. Um, you know, like there were queer characters, trans characters. Um, I also loved that their set had an intimacy coordinator. So that's like someone who is mm. on set to be like, are you okay with this? Are you okay with this? How do you mm. feel about this scene? Like, um, and giving them like rituals to create healthy boundaries to actually, you know, like they probably prevent onset romances. <laughs> um, I was say is like, <laughs> yeah. is that like a source of comedy for the person who's like, oh, and you can be comfortable with this, and they're like, actually, we're banging, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it, it was. <laughs> 
I mean, they were using the advice on set, but clearly it was not. They were not doing a great job of separating their um, on-set behavior with their feelings for each other. But um, yeah, it, it was generally, it was very modern. Um, it was sex positive for sure. The sex scenes were like, they were both enjoying themselves. They were uh, enthusiastically consenting to everything. That was all great. Um, the only thing about it that I didn't like, maybe vibe check wise, is that it did have a little bit of a like girl boss thing going on that I was like, it would, I mean, this book could be more anti-capitalist and I wouldn't be mad. Mm. <laughs> um, but otherwise, it, it was wonderful. Gotcha. Um, Alexis Staria did a really great job. So, um, yeah, I mean, overall, I actually, I liked the like show chapters when they were like, filming the TV show. Mm -hmm. uh, she had a really solid relationship with her cousins. They have a like chat group called the Primas of Power, which is really cute. Um, and it was like clearly setting up a um, like Talia Hibbert style series. So there's another book coming out that's like her cousin and her relationship. And okay. there'll probably be a third. It's the third cousin in her relationship. So it's like okay. a series, but with different characters in mm -hmm. each. Um, which love the Brown Sisters series. We'll definitely get to that one mm -hmm. on this podcast. Um, so love that. Uh, love the sex positive nature of the intimate scenes. That was awesome. Um, Jasmine, the female lead, is like clearly, you know, enjoyed the sex they were having. Um, you know, they were both like they were communicating about what they were going to do and what they weren't going to do. So love all of that. And it was still hot. Like all of that consent didn't take anything away from how hot the seats were. Consent is sexy. It is. really is. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I just really didn't like their relationship. Their chemistry fell totally flat. Um, Ashton's like whole personality was based on his trust issues and his mm. extreme reserve I just found exhausting. And that is, that's probably on me. Because I am definitely, like, a charming rogue kind of gal. Um, mm -hmm. Not a, like, wholesome, <laughs> um, well-adjusted men. What? That's not interesting. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, the other thing is that there is... So, he's got a kid. And that is, like... I think as a parent, I'm like, as soon as a child appears on a romance novel, I'm like, no, thank you. This is not why I'm reading this. <laughs> um, even though it was very sweet and the kid loves her and, um, you know, I appreciate that he is like clearly prioritizing fatherhood. Um, I mean, that sounds pretty sexy. It is. Me, so. It is. Yes. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's not really what I'm looking for. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then the only other thing that I didn't like was, yeah, the girl boss vibes. Um, but I liked Jasmine. She was, you know, gregarious and fun and didn't take herself too seriously, um, which I appreciate in a uh, leading character. Um, but yeah, just it's a romance novel. So it's like as great as the supporting cast was, as much as I liked the lead character and her personality, uh, it just fell a little bit flat for me. So um, anyway, my favorite line. Yes. <laughs> um, I had a few, but I'm going to read um, this one on page 207. This was like one of the places where I was into Ashton, 
but he wasn't playing his character. Because, <laughs> like, when he was playing the show character, who was, like, a total mess and roguishly charming, mm. I was like, yes, I'm into this. <laughs> and then when it was, like, actually him, I was like, this eh. is boring. <laughs> um, but I do, I do like a good, uh, like, goofy kind of moment. So this is a moment when they are, they're, like, rehearsing their script uh, in her hotel room (laughs) wonder why they did it there um and they have already hooked up before although they had not slept together yet and so they're remembering what happened last time so um this is a little bit long but i'm gonna pick up here they were doing this they were definitely doing this consequences be damned he had to get inside her forget what i said yesterday desperation made his voice gravelly we should definitely have sex She met his eyes, her expression uncertain. Are you sure? I'm sure. He realized he was being presumptive and hastened to add, if you are. Mm. Mm -hmm. She huffed out a laugh. Oh, I am 100% on board with having penetrative sex with you. (laughs) He groaned and pressed his face into her shoulder. Did I really call it that? You sure did. She touched his chin, gently urging him to look at her. I'll, I'll leave it there. Okay. Um, yeah. He, they had like a super awkward, they were definitely going to get down. And then he was like, wait, we shouldn't actually have sex. But he was like, I don't want to have penetrative sex. And it was so awkward. <laughs> anyway, although it was lovely. And she was like, that's cool. We'll do other stuff. And it was really hot. But anyway, love a good dorky moment. Um, so, but otherwise, yeah, there, there weren't a lot of, I mean, like, I remember looking at my tabs from last week, and there were, like, 20 tabs in there, mm-hmm. and I was like, Gus is so hot, everything he says is <laughs> amazing, mm-hmm. and I only have a couple in here, and two of them are, like, I don't like these tabs. Um, uh. <laughs> so, anyway, overall, it was all right. Um, but I did decide to do my deep dive on telenovelas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know about you, but I definitely have, um, memories of my mom watching soap operas as a kid. Like, I would come home from school after getting dropped off on the bus, and they would be on, and I don't think she was ever that interested in them, um, but I would sit down and watch, like, all my children with her. Mm, I, Um, yeah, I did not have that experience, but I know my grandmother. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm, Totally. Um, so anyway, telenovelas are generally thought of as like a Latinx version of American soaps, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and they, they definitely have some things in common, like a lot of their tropes and like common storylines are similar. Um, they definitely both have a wonderful sense of drama. Um, but where American soaps run for like decades and decades with storylines that sort of like keep revolving and constantly turning around and around and like hardly ever completing a full story arc in a satisfactory way or allowing a character to like gain closure on anything. They just like keep going and everyone just stays fucked up for (laughs) decades and decades. Um, (laughs) uh, telenovelas are not like that. They've actually never been like that. Uh, they are limited series. So, yeah, did not know that. Yeah, they run for a few seasons and then they wrap up, providing closure. It's really typical to have like a grand wedding scene in the finale, Mm. you know. They definitely are like romance, romance, drama, drama. So it's similar, but they they have an actual storyline that concludes and provides closure for characters and for the audience, you know. It's like, and then it ends. Um, And so, yeah, the way they're marketed actually is different as well. So, um, like, most notably, they air during primetime. 
to like oh. 7 p.m. Um, not during the day, like American soaps. And um, while they both do have rates in advertising and were originally just like vehicles for moving product and selling things to women, um, telenovelas have a much broader reach now. So their audience actually tends to be evenly split between men and women. Um, and spans all age groups. So they perform really well in 18 to 45 or 49 or whatever, as well as in the older um, age demographic. Um, and they're just like straight up pulling in a larger audience. So the article that I read, which was uh, The Power of Telenovelas from 2012, uh, it was a PBS News Hour article. Um, so it's a little bit old, 2012. Um, but soaps were really have been struggling. So I'd be interested to see new numbers because a lot of them have been canceled. But um, so when this article was written, which is almost 10 years ago now, oh my God, um, they <laughs> telenovelas in America actually pull in an average audience or a total audience of 5.9 million viewers while soaps are only capturing 2.9 million viewers. And that's actually interesting. Yeah, Yeah. that's the United States number. So like that's people watching telenovelas in the US. Mm. It doesn't even include the countries in which they originate. Right. Um, And so I find that fascinating. I definitely knew it was a big industry, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I also did not know before reading about them that they are like closed series. And I think it's, they've been like that for like, 50 years now and it's interesting because like that's how all tv is now right like prestige tv is all like you know you get like four to six seasons and then everything wraps up right right which actually is like kind of new in american television like when we were growing up everything was like you go as long as it makes money right Yeah. yeah and i feel like it was a lot of like five solid seasons and then like oh all of a sudden it's canceled and you have to like wrap up these storylines like quickly and yeah. the last seasons are like notoriously terrible, terrible. Like, or they go on for way too long and the last like, yeah. four seasons or are like, awful and the like m- one of the main character like the actors leaves and then there's like a wrap-up season of like with all the other yeah. characters and it's like yeah yeah so. so anyway, I think that's interesting that like they've been doing it like that for ages yeah. and now really over the last 10, 15 years, that's become the way. They were onto something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so that's my deep dive. I am actually, Aww. after reading this, I'd be interested in watching more actual television. Yeah. Well, like, now that I know it's like limited series, it's like way more easy, you know, right. you're not like, where do I start? Where, you know, it's yeah. more accessible for sure. Um, and it'd be nice to see some of the popular ones that aren't like ugly Betty, um, which did do very well in the U S. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that is, you had me at Ola. Mm. I mean, I, I think if you're into like a more wholesome style romance, it could definitely be for you. I know people love the book. It Mm -hmm. rates just under a four, I think, on Goodreads. So Mm -hmm. it's like pretty good. (laughs) Almost as good as my book. Almost almost (laughs) as good as Dirty Billionaire. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I definitely will read the next book that comes out from the series. Mm-hmm. I want to give her another chance. I think mm-hmm. that there was a lot to like about it. Um, and I think the next one comes out like in the next couple of months. So, and the covers are flipping gorgeous. Oh, I forgot yeah, to, to cast, to do my casting. And the oh, reason yeah. is because I actually just pictured these two people on the cover. Normally Amazing. I'm like, I hate books with people on the covers. 
Yeah. Um, you want to imagine it for yourself? Yeah, yeah. Or the people are like creepy and weird and it's like uncanny valley. But um, <laughs> no, I'm so, this is like exactly what yes. I imagined for Ash the whole time. So, um, and <laughs> actually Jasmine looks kind of like Jasmine from Aladdin <laughs> in this. Um, They're very because, angular. Like. They, they are. I mean, the bone structure. I mean, they're, yeah, I guess they're like actors, right? So, so maybe it's realistic. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely have like a Disney prince and princess vibe going on. But it's gorgeous. Um, and so that's just, that's what I imagined the whole time. So it didn't seem right to fan cast it. Um, yeah. Alrighty. There we are. All right. Well, I guess that's it. What are we reading next week? So I'm reading, bum, 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 Ice Planet Barbarians. (laughs) Who's the author on that one? Uh, Ruby Dixon. There okay. is not a lot known about Ruby. I think oh, she may. She like this may be a pen oh. name of hers, and she may write other books. That is absolutely a pen name. Um, right? Yeah, I mean Ruby Dixon. <laughs> is that a real name? It's, I mean, yeah. I, I kind of hope so, but I don't think so. <laughs> no, yeah. And so, anyway, that's a nice short, sweet read. So, okay. I'm looking forward. Um, I'm reading. It's called Ghosted by Rosie Walsh. It's more, yeah, contemporary. Um, is this a paranormal romance? No, it's oh, like okay. ghosted, like, <laughs> like left you on got red. Yeah. yeah. Ouch. Okay. Um, and it actually has another name in um, the UK, which is, oh. um, and now I can't remember what it is, but I'll tell you next week. <laughs> All right. Um, well, we will see you next week on Erotic Nonsense. Thanks. Bye. Bye.